1: Going on, besties. What's up, besties?
0: Welcome it's, to uh, the Best Life Podcast, the best podcast. This is Jill Coleman and Danny J. Um, it is, I just learned this. Oh, I guess it was just yesterday. And maybe it's not the whole month. It's Mental Health Awareness. It was Mental Health Awareness Day. Yep. I was thinking it was Mental Health Awareness Month, but it's actually Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So check your titties and your brain. Um, <laughs> but we were just chatting offline and talking about therapy and and i was like you know what maybe we should talk about this on like when when should you go see a therapist how should you find how do you find a therapist how do you ask them questions and just to break down maybe some stigma around therapy because i think sometimes at least for me growing up i remember when and i've shared this story before When I was 15, I was suicidal and I went to a mental health clinic and I begged my mom to take me there. And she was like, we're not taking you there. You're not crazy. Mm. And there's this idea of you only reach out for help or go to therapy or ask for help if you are quote crazy or there's something quote wrong with you. And I think like about two, three years ago, I don't know, probably 2019. So four years ago, um, early 2019 and late 2018, I was going to therapy and I was in a really good place. And I wasn't actually going to see a therapist because there was anything quote wrong. I just felt like things were going well, but there were also some things I kind of wanted to maybe tune up and just talk through. And so I thought it would be a great conversation to just to have in general since, Mm -hmm. since it was mental health awareness day.
1: Yeah. And specifically, I guess we're talking about talk therapy in this session. Like, so there's obviously a lot of different types of therapy you can go to. There's hypnotherapy, there's obviously, you know, somatic um, therapy where you do breath work and psychedelics and all this kind of stuff. And then there's talk therapy, which is of course like probably the most common one. And Mm -hmm. I, this is funny. And I know I've told the story before I didn't really have an idea about a stigma about therapy per se. I had before I went to my first therapy in 2015, um, it was – I actually had a stigma around personal development. I was very Mm -hmm. much like, if I'm reading books on how to better myself, like – does this mean something's wrong with me? Does this mean mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like the only people who like need help, like living are just like people who are like nuts, right? Like that's kind of yeah. how you grew up, you know, especially, and I think a lot of people still have that mentality, especially, and we'll just generalize it, but a lot of men have that mentality. Like why would I go to therapy? I'm not crazy. I don't have anything wrong with me. And when I got into personal development, I was like, oh, this necess- this isn't necessarily about because you're bad or you're wrong or you're fucked up and getting back to baseline, it was more like you, it could just be like, I want to be optimal. Like you said, like, I want to be optimal. I'm fine. But I know that there are some things here that I want to start to learn more about and uncover. And and you guys are listening to a personal development podcast right now. So obviously this is your value system too. And once you get into personal development, and I would say the talk therapy is part of that, is like understanding yourself and your needs and your uh, values and stuff like that you start to be like, this is actually really interesting. And it's not just getting me back to baseline so I can like live in the world. That's probably like maybe 5% of people going to therapy. The other 95 is like, I just have something that I'm dealing with and I want to learn how to deal with it better. I want it to make better sense to me. So I went to a therapist for the very first time in 2015 when I moved out to LA and I went every week for a year And that really helped me. But what I loved about my therapist at that time was she was like, what are we working on? And so just if you guys have never been to therapy, you know, usually if you have a good therapist, we'll talk about maybe some questions you can ask the person when you're doing a a consult before you hire them. Is they should want you to graduate at some point. It shouldn't be like, you know, we say this with coaching all the time people shouldn't stay with you all the time. At some point, your work is done and they should be able to go out into the world and be able to eat normally and exercise on their own and stuff like that. But when it comes to therapy, if you need to go for a long time, then you have that ability. But it's not like this is just my life now, you know? And I really appreciated that my therapist was like, what specifically do you need help with? What are we here to work on? Where are we trying to get to? It was very much like, where's the destination? How would you know that therapy would be successful? You know, she I think she asked me that question. Like, what do you mm-hmm. need to see to know that you're good here or that you feel like this is quote unquote done in some capacity? And I really appreciated that. So that's, and, and I did, I saw her for a year. And by the time I finished that year, I had made a choice to cut off my ex husband, and that was what I needed to do. And that that, it took me the full year to get to the point where I could do that, and that was extremely healing for me. As much as it was really tough at the beginning, it was the thing that I ultimately needed to. But I needed to talk to someone for a whole year to even get to the point where I had the courage and desire to be able to do that and then to move on romantically and meet other people and kind of get start to really heal. So I'm curious about your sort of how you've, you've – I know you've had like different, different times in your life when you tapped into that.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny as you were speaking, not that I necessarily disagree, but I don't fully agree that you shouldn't need it forever because I was thinking – as soon as you get through one problem in life, well, oftentimes another one comes up. That's why so, we have
1: girlfriends, though. Right.
0: So I don't I'm need like, to pay okay, someone, I am like, you. I, like, <laughs> you go to a therapist and you work through the thing, and then you're like, oh, another thing came up, right? Like, I was going to therapist for one thing, and there's like my fucking mom died, and then I'm like talking to her about shit that's coming up with my dad all of a sudden. And so, and then I still have my stuff on my relationship that's working on the side. So there's a lot of things. So I think, honestly, if it were, more accessible. If therapy costs less, if if people could have it, I would love for people to see therapists for the rest of their life, like once or twice a month. Not every fucking week. Like that's excessive. Intense. And that might be that might be something you need to like work through it something you're really struggling with. But I would love like I stopped I last year was really intense I was working with two different um professionals one as a quote coach we had her on the show um Kelly and she actually is a therapist but that's not how she runs her business um she runs it as a coach and then I had a therapist in town and if it if they hadn't, they both raised their rates, and it just became cost prohibitive, prohibitive to go so much. And I also felt like I graduated in some ways, so I didn't need to see them as much. But I would still love to see them, like every sixty days or something like that, just to like, hey, this has come up. There, there was actually maybe a week or two ago. I was like, ah, I should just book a session, and I probably could just book a one off session. But it is really expensive, sure. and it's really hard to get um, someone who's really good. And so I think that yes, there should be a goal, and you should have some resolution in the thing that you're going for. But I also think it's okay to have like maintenance and to have somebody that you can go to, because maybe you can't go to your girlfriends for every single thing or your partner for every single thing. Cause maybe it's about your partner or about your girlfriend or about yourself and how you feel around them. And you just feel like there's something that you can't for whatever reason talk about. So I think, yes, it's, it's kind of a yes. And like, yes, you should have a goal. And also, man, I wish that, things were more affordable and more open. So and like you know we've talked about BetterHelp and there are affordable options. And it's also hard to find a good therapist. Um I I used BetterHelp in 20 I want to say 2013 or 2014 and I had a really great first time. And then I used it again a couple of years later and the second therapist we didn't really jive and so I got another one like you can exchange exchange therapist but it takes so much time and it feels really overwhelming to have to like for a brand new person to like tell the whole story like why am I here and like this is what you know and that is a lot of emotional labor and work so it can be really exhausting to try to find that person Mm -hmm. and that's one reason I think we want to share this episode too is like how do you find the person and How do you know if they're going to work or not? Because I think kind of like dating, when when you and I were dating, I know I like to meet somebody right away to see if we were fit and then cut it off if it wasn't going to be good. So I think with therapy too, it's like... You don't really want to keep going to five, six sessions and then really – like if it's not good at the beginning, it's probably not going to get better. So yes. like two sessions max and then you're going to know if it's if it's getting somewhere. If it's not, it's good to cut it off and try to find someone else.
1: Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And I could see how like just having someone in maintenance or someone to talk to who – you know is 100% objective doesn't know you your partner your family your friends right and just being like hey i just need a like and this person does know you cuz maybe you did go to them for a time so you mm-hmm. could just do a maintenance session that would be like someone who i worked with in business coaching and now i don't need more and they're like hey can i just do book an hour of your time to just go over my launch right i don't need to like yeah. have an ongoing relationship to you you know and i when it comes to finding the right therapist i do believe Number one, you should know like, okay, what do I have to work on? And is this person qualified to do that? Right? There's all different types yeah. of therapists. There's you know, couples therapists, there's sex therapists, there's relationship therapists, there's money therapists, right? Like there's all these different addiction therapists. So you have to first, that's the easiest first step is really understanding, is this person qualified to help me with the thing I need help with? So for example, when I was... When I went to my first therapist, it was like, I want to talk about infidelity, you know, and I need to know that like you have experience talking to either couples or individuals and helping them overcome this betrayal and being able to move on from that. If you don't, then that's probably not the right fit for you. And the second thing that I think is important to know yourself, and I was kind of telling this to Danny off air, I just started seeing a therapist two weeks ago, um, just for some, I, I've been feeling in general just a little bit. And I said this to you, Danny, actually a couple months ago, just feeling a tiny bit lonely, um, just in business specifically, because, you know, When you were living here, we used to talk about business all the time. And so, you know, it's not your fault. It's just like you're not here anymore. And because we've scaled the business, I have a hard time maybe talking about some of the things that are coming up for me with my other friends who are entrepreneurs, but maybe aren't at the level where they have a team and full-time people and all that kind of stuff. And my partner doesn't really know our space, so he can't really hold it down, you know, in a way that's meaningful to me. And so I'm just feeling, and then, you know, also my brother who, um, is one of my best friends, he now works in the business. So he, while we're still close, I feel like there's a little bit of a wall there now that I don't want to, if I have fears or anxieties, I don't feel Mm -hmm. comfortable going to him. You know, it's nothing about him. It's just, I found myself in this place. So I was like, I just feel like I need to talk to somebody. And when we had our consult before we, um, you know decide to work together i i said to her like i'm kind of someone who is i've done a lot of work on myself and and for those of you listening to this you probably have too you know you've dove in you know about yourself you know what some of your insecurities are your sensitivities you've identified your bullshit like and so i said i really have to have someone who's competent who can really challenge me if I need being challenged, because I'll just take over the fucking conversation. Like I'll just like totally, then all of a sudden I feel like I'm in like a coaching role. Right. And then I'll just, cause I just know myself and she totally got that. And she was like, well, you know, as we build trust, cause it is a relationship as we build trust, I'll sort of feel out and I'll feel comfortable challenging you if I feel like we're there. And I was like, that's all I need. And so far it's only been two sessions, but it's been great. What other, what other questions would you have?
0: Well, I love that and I I think doing your due diligence looks a, a lot of different ways. I'm always big on referrals because I feel like if somebody's gotten good results from someone, then I trust them. You know, of course I'm not going to ask anyone for a referral like people who I who I think get it. I would ask for a referral. Um and I think knowing if they have experience with your particular issue. So if you go on psychologytoday.com, you can look up your location and then you can you can uh, filter out psychi- psychiatrists, counselors, or whatever through um, their expertise. So it might be an expertise, or they might be, uh, have worked with people LG- LGBTQ. They might be your same race or gender. They might be, like you said, a sex therapist or relationship or marriage and family therapist or divorce or going through infidelity. So I like to find somebody who's who has some experience in whatever I'm actually trying to deal with. I don't necessarily that like you go to school for counseling, but kind of like when you go to school for fitness and and health and fitness, you kind of find a niche. And so maybe you work specifically with postpartum women and you can do weight loss for anybody, but you really find that you do well with postpartum women. And I think counselors are the same way. Like you may really, your counselor does really well with mid thirties to early forties women who've gone through infidelity and are now in a relationship or something along those lines. Right. And Funny enough, my counselor that I had here in Vegas, I got really weird about it, and I I brought this up to her. But um, I found her because she just specifically because she did EMDR therapy, and I was looking for someone who did EMDR. And I started working with her, loved her, worked with her for many months, and then I looked her up online. I think she maybe sent an email about her rates going up, and I clicked on her website. And I found out she mostly works with men. And that made me feel a sort of way. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm not her ideal client, but she seems really great." And I brought it up to her. She's like, "Yeah, it's fine. You're great." But I I was like, "Wait, I'm I'm messing up your practice by being a female coming in here in, into this office." But whatever, it didn't matter because she did what I she She was good for me and what I needed. And maybe the reason she was good for me was because she worked with the men. And I think there's a way you have to be a little bit more like take charge in a way. And so I think you also have to know yourself. Like Jill said, I've done a lot of work. I've had a lot of therapy. I've gone to a lot of – I can't really have a beginner therapist, right? Like I can't really go into somebody who's new to this. Um, You might be true to this, but you're not new to this. But Mm -hmm. you need somebody who can handle what you're going to bring in because it also is going to make the experience – good or nothing. Because if you can't go in fully and come in with all the stuff you want to dump out, if you don't trust them, Mm. and if it takes you 12 sessions to actually get to like, here's the thing I haven't been saying to you, but it's the thing I've been wanting to talk about. That's a lot of money you spent and a lot of time building up trust. Like it's a lot more effective in counseling if you can lay it all out on the table, but you can't lay it all out on the table if you don't trust them or Mm. if you don't think they can handle it or be the space that you need. Uh, that you need in the moment.
1: Yeah. You actually told, you actually told a story a while ago about going to a therapist to you. You like really liked as a person, like not that like, you know, not that you should go to a therapist you don't like, but like that you were kind of like, is this my new best friend? Like you, you had this (laughs) moment of like, and then you kind of noticed that you were starting to, potentially change your behavior because you were like I want her to like me yes. I could definitely see this and this honestly this happened with me too I actually um, started I did hypnotherapy a few years ago and the woman who was doing it actually followed us and mm-hmm. that I think for me felt like a conflict of interest I definitely noticed how I was like okay this is a, a kind of like not a fan but I was like this person like knows yeah. me professionally I didn't feel super safe
0: yeah, you do. And for me, sometimes it's um, it's not necessarily an age thing, but if there is an age gap, like an old, an older person, then I feel a little more comfortable. But Same. if it's a peer or somebody younger, like oh, I just had my nose surgery, and the doctor came in, the first doctor came in, and I guess he was a an intern or something. He's doing his Resonancy. rounds, whatever. Yeah, he comes in dude must've been 27. And I was like, I can't. So <laughs> the funny thing is I wanted to ask him about a nose job because I was like, Hey, if they're already in there, can they just do, do a nose job? But I was so embarrassed because he was so young. And then the other doctor came in who was probably in his late forties. And I was like, okay, here's the real doctor. But I was already embarrassed to bring this up to the young kid. So then they left. And later I called the office to ask. Cause I was just feeling like I can't trust somebody. And I hate to say that because he's I'm sure he's smarter than me. He's in residency to be a surgeon and there's doctors that are young. But for me personally, I felt like I needed somebody who was maybe a little older to feel safe. So you have to know what that is for you. If it's not an age or a gender thing, then that's cool. But for me, sometimes having somebody a little bit older makes me feel better. Like maybe they have more experience or just, I'm not trying to impress them or make them think (laughs) I'm cool and have it all together.
1: (laughs) No, no, you can't do that. You have to be, (laughs) I think the, the practice of, I've only gone to two sessions with this new therapist, but I've been pretty open. Um, like I would say probably like laid out like, you know, 95% of stuff that feels like tough to share, you know, and you do have that. But if you, if you're with someone who makes you feel comfortable and not judged, you know, I mean, that's the key.
0: I think too um I had some really amazing sessions with hypnotherapy but one of my first hypnotherapy sessions was with a man I was from Groupon um and it was actually really fantastic but there was one particular where I was saying something that was coming up and I think he was guessing what it meant and it was wrong so I'll just t- like to, not to make this confusing he had me go back to like the first time I felt this sense of anxiety and this was really crazy to me because I had forgotten all about it, but it was the moment my dad told me he wasn't my real dad. And so I'm closing my eyes and I'm in this moment and he's like, okay, what are you saying? And I was like, my dad. And then he was like, okay. And he didn't ask what he did or what he said. So the therapist is just sitting there making assumptions. And so I'm crying and he's like, well, what, what, why did he do what he did? And I said, I think to feel closer to me, I was, I was answering his questions, but I think the guy was thinking that my dad raped me. You? Yeah. Yep. And so he started saying, he goes, What he did wasn't okay. And I was just like, No, no, no. Wait, that's like, No, it wasn't okay, but not in the way that you're thinking it is. So he was like kind of interjecting Mm. what he thought was going on. And it made the whole experience really uncomfortable. So there are things like that that can be, and, and you know, it can happen in anything. It's just like people are people. And he probably has so much experience with that kind of thing coming up in hypnotherapy and probably not a lot of experience of a conversation where their dad tells the kid they're not their dad. And so nine times out of 10, he probably would have been right. But it really shifted at the moment for me because it got out of my head and suddenly I feel like I have to explain something to this guy. And I didn't, part of hypnotherapy is you don't have to talk about it. So I didn't want to talk to him about it. And so all that to say, um, back to experience therapies and non-judgment is a good experienced therapist shouldn't actually project anything onto you. They shouldn't be um, – they should be reflecting and listening and asking you questions and bringing things up for you, but no projection on that or, or judgment. And potentially, you know, in the case of abuse, they can say – I mean, that thing – that is safe to say, and that is that is something they could say, like it wasn't the right thing to do or he shouldn't have done that if my dad did do the thing that he probably thought he did. But that wasn't the case. So there was a jump to um, an assumption. But I think a a good therapist should be able to just hold space and make you not feel like you're being judged no matter what you bring to the table or no matter what you say. Mm -hmm. That's so funny you mentioned that because when I was doing the consult with this most recent um,
1: therapist, I kind of was like, I, I was like, oh, I was married for 10 years and my husband had an affair. And she goes, oh. Like, I mean, but like, that was the right, you know, that was the right mm-hmm. sort of like response. But because I'm like so over it and it's so like not, it's so like a nothing anymore. And I, we talk about this podcast in such a clinical way that yeah. I was like, no, 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 it's okay. <laughs> like, like, thank right? you. But also, like, I'm good on that. And like, this is not what I want to talk about. But yeah, that was, it was interesting. And I was like, oh yeah, that's just like the normal response people have. Yeah. To something like yeah. that. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, I think that if you've never done it before and you're feeling, um, you're just feeling either. And this is something that I don't know if you've had this experience too, Danny. The first time I went to therapy, I, um, I almost felt like selfish. Like I was like, I felt like it was so self indulgent. I was like, I'm supposed to just sit here and like talk about me for like an hour. And she was like, Yeah, that's why you're here. <laughs> And I was like, but how are you? What's going on with you? <laughs> you know? So like, but, you know, and so for me, it was like, okay, Jill, like, relax. You don't need to be of service every second. Like you can, yeah. you know, and I think all, a lot of us kind of have that where you just find I have to settle in because I, this isn't my experience, but I have, I have another girlfriend who went to therapy and she felt like the therapist was talking too much about her stuff mm. Like she was talking too much about because she wanted to connect, so she was like, "Oh, you know, I went through because I think she was talking about a specific, you know, uh, trouble with infertility." And she's like, "And so the therapist volunteered that she also went through an infidelity journey and stuff." And then, Mm. and then my friend was kind of like, "Do I need to console you now?" And (laughs) right, right? so you kind of have to have that balance. So I loved how you mentioned like the non judgment and just. Not having like a specific response, just being able to like hold space and not give there any sort of like emotional charge.
0: Yeah, I think and it. I think it's okay for a therapist to bring in um, a story about themselves if it connects, but it can also detract. So they have to do it in the right way. And there's been times where just Kelly in particular, um, I've actually asked her specific things about her relationship mm. because for me, I like to see examples and stories, and so there might be something she brings up and she's bringing a concept and I'm like, can you give me an example or did this happen to you? Can you share how that worked for you? And so there's been times where I've asked her specifically most of the time she wouldn't. uh, But you guys are already
1: close, right? Like in a way you already were at a level where you respected her opinion you know, but if you have that experience in like the first or second session, you're like, okay, wait, like, is this about you or is it about
0: me? (laughs) Right? Totally. Right. Right. Totally. No, I think it can be, I think it can be useful, but it can also be detrimental. So I, I just think it's not like if your therapist talks about themselves, you're like, oh, it's the wrong person. That's not necessarily the case. I think it's on a case by case basis and it depends on the scenario. So just as like an overarching, like if you're trying to find someone, it's not necessarily the wrong thing, but it's not necessarily not the wrong thing. It just depends on context and if it happens every single time that probably is the wrong thing if you feel like there's a back and forth and now you're just venting with your girlfriend instead of venting to your therapist and one of the the one of the tricky things i find about therapy often is and this is what's happening more now is in order to make it more accept- accessible and affordable a lot of therapy sessions have been condensed to like 30 minutes so, And I've seen this in personal training. When I moved from Vegas to Utah, I started doing 30-minute sessions and I was like, man, that's so fast. I don't like this because it feels like just when you're finally getting comfortable. I think sometimes the first 15 minutes, you're still just warming up and then finally you're like, okay, now I'm going to talk about what I really came here to talk about. Or sometimes I come to my therapy where I'm like, I don't know, everything was good this week. And then we're talking for 15 minutes and I'm like, oh wait, this <laughs> there's this thing and it's a big one. So I feel like with these 30 minute sessions, it sucks because it's like right when you're getting into the juicy stuff, you got to wrap it up. And so I don't know if I, if I were to like wave a wand over some changes I would make, I would make mental health therapy, more accessible, more affordable, and I would make it so it's not like not affordable because it's 20 minutes. Cause that's not really, I don't think that's very helpful. No, I don't think so either. Well, I think yeah. this is a good
1: conversation, mental health, um, awareness day. And, you know, with the work that you're doing, maybe you can like plug a little bit about some of the stuff that you're doing, um, you know, in, in your own brand and, and things like that. I know that that's a big kind of been a pivot for you over the last couple of years. Um, did you want to talk about that all?
0: Yeah. You know, something that it's because due to what was going on with me in the last couple of years, I, I feel like I was doing a lot of research because I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Um, and, and maybe some of you have, um, seen the work of, oh my God, I can see his face and I'm blanking on his name. Daniel No, he'll come oh, back to me. Oh, I know you're I'll, talking about, that guy. I don't that know guy, <laughs> he's like the trauma guy lately. I'm looking through my books. Okay. Well, it will come to me as I'm looking through. Um, but he wrote a book called, um, oh God, it's about something about being normal and I'm scrolling through my Amazon and it will come to me. But basically what we, everything that we see around us that we feel like is not normal is actually like everything that we think is normal is not. And everything that's normal is not normal. For instance, avoiding negative things. And we, you know, we just did an interview today and you guys will hear it later about overspending and and shopping, like response to, to, um, trauma is like maybe a normal response to trauma is to hide or to shop or to addictions are honestly a normal response to trauma. And yet we think it's not normal. And some of the things we think are normal, like, I don't know, n- never going outside and not getting exercise, all of that should be normal. right? And so I learned a lot about trauma and trauma response and a lot of things where I thought there was something wrong with me was actually a very normal response to what I had been going through and what happened, which was very, very helpful to know. Because when you feel like you're fucking crazy, you're like, is this my life now? And I'm just insane. (laughs) Or can I fix it? Because if there's nothing I can do, then that's really just a, that's discouraging. But if you're like, this is a normal response and I'm going to get through it, then at least you can figure that out and, and work through things. And so that was something really big. And something else that I learned, um, there's this book called, I have it right behind me. It's called The Feeling Good Handbook by David Burns. And it's actually a known thing, which I didn't know, is that depression doesn't come from um, chemical, imbalance. chemical imbalance in the brain. And I that kind of has just been this theme that you see. And it actually was debunked in the nineties, but for some reason we're 20, 30 years later, and it's still perpetuating basically myth that people have a chemical imbalance. And so the, one of the reasons I think that it's perpetuated is because of pharmaceutical drugs. Mm. But the truth is they don't know why pharmaceutical drugs work. And the other truth is, is that a lot of pharmaceutical drugs don't work. And if you've ever been on um, anti-depression, anti anxiety medications you have probably found that you may have had to try multiple different um, multiple different ones so they might put you on something like Prozac and it doesn't work so you try something else so they're literally just throwing spaghetti at a wall to see what sticks because they don't know how the brain works and why this happens and what i believe is that there are a couple mechanisms of why the brain goes down this spiral of depression and this could be a whole episode in itself but Often a triggering um, circumstance, whether a loss um, loss or trauma, um, nutrition and hormones are really big, and then negative thought patterns that maybe come from who you're around and your parents and how you're brought up. So one of the things in the David Burns book he talks about is that we think sometimes that depression might be genetic because if your parents are depressed, you're more likely to be depressed. But he says it's more like this. If your parents speak Spanish, you're more likely to speak Spanish, but that doesn't mean speaking Spanish is genetic. It's just that we are wired to speak language. So if your parents spoke French, you'd speak French. And what happens is we see how our parents think and how they process, and we just pick that up because we are, we are beings that um, imitate. So there's a lot of things that just – I could go down a rabbit hole with that, but just kind of to keep at the top of your mind. And the guy that I'm talking about is Gabor Ma- Gabor Mate. Mm-hmm. The book is The Myth of Normal. And just a bunch of stuff about trauma that's really, really interesting if you want to. Um, it's called The Myth of Normal, Trauma, Illness, and Healing a Toxic Culture. Um really huge and helpful. And I think that a lot of this has just helped me understand myself and understand other people. Because sometimes we look at people and like, why did they do that? Why are they acting like such an asshole? Why are they such a dick? And even what's going on in the world right now, it's there are so many things that we do as humans that are simply a reaction to to things that have happened or... The way we're eating, or combination of things, or social media, and we have just this weird, weird, fucked up world that is exacerbating these mental health conditions. And I think there's a lot of ways out of them, but it takes a it takes a lot of um, introspection and also just shifting your belief in paradigm. Which the belief in paradigm is. If you believe you're always going to be crazy or everyone in your family is messed up or you're always going to be anxious or you're always going to be depressed, it's going to be hard to find a solution. If you believe that medicine meds are the only way, they might be. And I was actually, um, my friend is, my friend Elizabeth Faye is doing a breathwork certification and I kind of joined in on it and she started to do breathwork because her boyfriend was really suicidal. And he became resistant to all the medications he was taking. So there's people may have heard of treatment resistant depression, but they were looking for anything. And she's like, she said, um, I'm not pro medicine. I'm pro staying alive. And I really loved that because I think if you need medicine to stay alive, then you need medicine to stay alive. And not all medicines will do that. And some will. And I've, I've been helped by medications many times. And so I love that. I'm like, I'm also pro staying alive. And then you will find whatever your consciousness allows you to find for yourself. You will find it when you're ready to find that. So, you know, I did dabble in plant medicines and go to some, I've done a lot of different things over the last year and a half, different kinds of therapies, different kinds of plant medicines, different kinds of journeys. And I think that maybe a few years ago, I wasn't ready or open to that kind of, um, to that kind of healing. And so I think when you're ready and you're open to, um, when you're open to healing, you'll find it. And this conversation too, is also like finding a therapist. That might be the first step you need. And maybe the next step is getting on medication or some kind of somatic therapy or a different kind of therapy. But I think it's so important to recognize that nothing is wrong with you and that more than anything, we have a lot of things going wrong with our environment and what's around us. And if there's anything, quote, wrong with you, it's probably a very natural response to something that's happened to you. And you're probably more normal for reacting the way you do or feeling the way you Mm. do than not. Mm.
1: Yeah so good you know and i'll just plug especially around grief christina rasmussen's episode mm-hmm. that we did i think in 2019 um so we have to go back in the archives but she talked a lot about grief and and it was interesting that just literally you know a year and a half later you were kind of going through the same thing and it was she has a book called uh, second seconds first and or second firsts um which is really great so we'll plug that as well but are you taking clients or no
0: You know, um, I would love to work with people one-on-one too. I've had a couple clients this year and I haven't talked about coaching for a long time. And usually they just come to my DMs out of nowhere. And a lot of times people have come to me for business stuff. And then we do more one-on-one, um, more like life coaching things. And, it's funny because I was going to talk to you about this. I probably am going to launch another find the money in the next couple of weeks because I was, I was chatting with Courtney about this. Um, I said, it's been tricky because I want to talk. There's so much going on with the economy and um, with, well, just everything in the world, but with money. And I said, but I want to, I, still want to talk about mental health and it's hard where it feels like it's, uh, maybe incompatible. But one of the things we talked about was that finances impact your mental health and mental mm. health also impacts your finances. And so I think there'll be times where I'm talking about specifically money impacting that and also trauma and grief on another side. And I would absolutely work with people. Um, you can always hit me up in my DMS and see how that would look, but, mm-hmm. um, definitely love working with, I, I had a really couple of really beautiful clients this year that we just finished, um, over the summer. We did about 12 weeks together, just working through some personal things. And, and I'm not a therapist by any means. I'm simply a coach and someone who has done a lot of <laughs> research and therapy or research and, and my own personal therapy. And I might have some just different perspectives that maybe you haven't considered. And so mm-hmm. one of the things I also pride myself on is being a resource to, look for other things. So one of, one of the people I worked with this year, um, I sent her out to a couple of different, uh, different other modalities that I couldn't provide because I'm not local to her, but that really helped a lot. And then she can come back to me and process. And it, when we talk about like plant medicines, they call it integration. So like Jill and I did ayahuasca in 2019 and they, they called the, I don't know, we, we hated this in the group because Integration is basically talking about it after. And in a group setting of a million people, you don't necessarily want to hear about that all. But there is something about integrating what you learn afterwards, and that can take a lot of time. And so that's something I'm definitely here for as well. Love it. Cool. Well, I think
1: this is a great conversation. And just to, like you said, just sort of normalize some of these modalities and just maybe break the stigma of therapy. And if you're maybe scared, hopefully this gives you a little bit more information around what to look for, how to think about it, maybe how to um, you know, ask questions and really figure out what exactly you need and to get the most out of it, especially if you're going to be spending money and, and spending time, we want to make sure that you're getting something out of it. So hopefully that is helpful for you guys. And thank you so much for being here again. If you guys have questions, comments, or anything you would love for us to riff on, maybe something that's going on in your life that you would love our two cents on, please feel free to message us at the best life podcast on Instagram, or you can go to the best life podcast, Facebook group, which we always plug, go to the bestlifepodcast.com, Click on the link to join our free facebook group um and that's all i got for you guys that's all we got
0: all right y'all we'll see you on the next episode all right. bye guys bye